From Mediacorp and One Up Media, this is Post Love. Essays on love, life, and everything in between. I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Maybe it's not married. Maybe it's love. I just wanted to let you know that I miss you. My friend is depressed, but is she toxic? Trigger warning this episode contains content of depression and self harm. Please take care of yourself, and if you need to, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. My dad's gambling again, this time with the bursary money meant for school. My sister's hitting my mom again, and mom's not doing anything about it. This is getting increasingly tougher on me. I don't know what to do. <sighs> I'm coming over. Don't do anything foolish. For a few years now, these have been the typical texts or calls that I would receive from my best friend. Unlike most people, we didn't just hang out at cafes or go for shopping dates. Instead, I was the support system to someone with an abusive family. Chloe and I have known each other since we were 10 in primary school. On the first day we met, I embarrassingly jumped from my seat when a cockroach flew out. But crunch! It met its untimely end on a mathematics textbook. Looking up, I saw Chloe. And that's when I knew we were going to be friends for life. Even as we progressed to different schools, we made time for each other. I mean, how could I not? She smashed a freaking cockroach for me. But around the time we were 16, things started changing for her family. Her father lost his job and slipped into gambling. Her mother became increasingly stressed and took it out on the family. And from there, things just sort of fell apart, including Chloe herself. I knew early on that I had to stick up for her. Well, maybe I couldn't chase away cockroaches, but I sure as hell would be there when she needed me. And then, on the morning of an important exam, I came face to face with my biggest fear. The message I'd hoped to never ever receive. What should I do? Should I just end it all? I've been thinking about this for a while. But I don't have anything else to live for. The text sent chills down my spine, and my mind immediately went into panic mode. Tears started streaming down my face, and I couldn't stop shaking with fear and worry. But despite all that, I knew I had to be strong for Chloe. Or at least, I had to try to be there for her, when no one else was. Don't do anything foolish. Tell me what happened. 
I'll be there as soon as I can. On my way to school, the situation with Chloe grew more alarming. She was sinking deeper into a spiral of dark thoughts and even started devising plans to act on them. Hey, Mr. Tan, is it possible if I reschedule the exam or take it another day? There is an emergency that I need to attend to. What's the emergency? I think my friend is in trouble. I'll make the changes for you. Don't worry about the exam. That day I postponed my exams, got an earful from my parents. But thankfully, Chloe was alright. Thank you for always being my strongest support system. I wouldn't be here tonight without you. I laid down in bed, exhausted, before receiving another text, this time from Mr. Tan. I've scheduled your exam for tomorrow early morning. Is that possible for you? (sighs) Yes, that works. That incident would mark the beginning of an incredibly tumultuous period in both of our lives. And after about a year of occasional emergencies, sleepless nights, and constant stress, I figured that perhaps Chloe would be in better hands with a professional. And so I spent months researching various resources and clinics online, and was eventually able to engage a social service worker to talk to Chloe at a relatively low cost. Please tell me she's feeling better. Hey, Chloe. Hey, babe. How'd it go? I mean, it was okay. But I had to explain my situation to multiple staff members so they could guide me to the right healthcare provider. Though I'm not sure why. It ended up happening about four times and I had to keep relieving my trauma each time as they took notes. I was biting my nails. Reluctant to hear the rest of the story. I felt violated. Like I was pouring my heart out to the whole hospital. And I wasn't getting any real help. Then, when I finally sat down in the therapist's office an hour later, I was just too drained. I couldn't be bothered to go through it all over again. I fell silent. After sinking in all that time and effort for her, I had hoped to see at least a hint of improvement. But somehow, everything seemed to have backfired. I know we've discussed this before, but I really don't want to go back to that environment. The nurse was so mean to me, and she even snickered while passing a rude remark as she handed me the bill. I... I really hate it there. Maybe they're understaffed overworked, and in a very stressful environment. They didn't mean to take it out on you. It doesn't justify their behaviour, but we don't know their situation. I'm sure it's not about you. At this point, I really couldn't tell you if I was trying to convince Chloe or myself. I was just exhausted. Please, I can't take this anymore. 
I'm not going back for another appointment. <sighs> and just like that, we were back to square one. As you can expect, things just got worse and worse from there. The emotional support I had to provide Chloe got increasingly heavier as her family situation got more dire. While I was desperately juggling the pressures of exams and assignments, my first relationship and heartbreak, and constant arguments with my parents. It was undeniably the most challenging and difficult period that I had been through. But even so, I continued to be there for Chloe. I offered comfort through text, calls, and even rushed to her place in the middle of group projects to provide support. Deep down, however, I always believed that a professional could have handled her issues better, both physically and mentally. I was there purely out of loyalty, and I couldn't really tell if I was actually helping her get better. But whenever I tried to encourage her to seek professional help, I was always met with resistance. She feared facing a formal diagnosis, worried about the cost of mental health care and treatment, and was burdened by the social stigma. I was still a student and had the privilege of assessing the school counsellor, whereas Chloe, who had decided that further education wasn't worth it, was already working. Then, an idea struck me. If Chloe couldn't seek professional help, perhaps I could do it on her behalf. After all, one of us had to stay strong to support the other, and that person had to be me, right? Maybe this was the most practical way I could assist her, beyond just being a listening ear. During my own therapy sessions, I poured out my own concerns about handling all these issues. I even tried to present scenarios based on Chloe's situation, hoping to find a solution for her. But I was a terrible liar. My desperation was too apparent. These sound like situations your friend would be facing instead of you. Are you sure you're not lying to help her solve her problems? I looked down, swamped with guilt, before mumbling, no. Calmly, my therapist introduced me to the concept of codependency. A codependent relationship meant planning your entire life around someone else. And damn it, that was me. Why had I spent the last three weekends pretending to be Chloe just to find a solution for her? Or had it actually been the last 10 years of my life? My therapist could see the gears turning in my head before she interrupted. Hear me out. You've reached a point where you're pretending to be your friend. To lie to your therapist. You're incredibly loyal. But this isn't going to benefit you. You'll just keep giving until you're completely drained. She was right. I had been taking in all of Chloe's problems all this while, and I didn't know how much longer I could hold out. I noticed that I was becoming more impatient, more susceptible to anger and frustration, and often on the verge of tears but not quite breaking down. 
And then one day, just as I was leaving my room to go to school, my mother screamed at me out of the blue. What's going on with your brother? Why is he behaving like this? Aren't you keeping an eye on him? And that was the tipping point. He's not my responsibility. Why should I be responsible for him? You're the parent. You chose to have him, not me. I exploded, and in tears, full-on snot-fest, then retreated back to my room and just broke down. The intensity of the scene shocked both of them, and after my mother dealt with my brother, she approached me. Hey, honey, are you okay? I don't know, I'm just tired. My mother's eyes were searching, questioning if it was the right time, before confessing. Well, what you said hurt me, as if you were implying that I wasn't being responsible enough as a parent. I felt sorry, and I broke down a little further, this time hugging her with guilt. I guess this isn't really about your brother, huh? She was right. I told her all about Chloe's situation. During that conversation, I came to a profound realization. I had been shouldering an increasing amount of responsibility for Chloe's happiness and mental well-being. This was taking a toll on me, affecting not only myself, but also the people in my life. But always keep in mind, even though she may say she wouldn't be here without you, no one is truly incapable of living without someone else. We're all individuals after all. No one can be there for another person forever and all the time. With the encouragement of my therapist, I finally gathered the courage to have a conversation with Chloe about our situation. Once again, I tried to persuade her to seek medical attention at a different clinic and offer to help find financial assistance. Initially, it seemed like progress was being made. However, every time we encountered a minor setback or the process became too cumbersome, Chloe would retreat. We went from calmly discussing our options, as we had done in the past, to experiencing our first major fight in a decade. One day, I noticed that Chloe had become unusually quiet. She typically kept me updated through texts, so her silence was concerning. I decided to pay her a visit to check on her. That's when I made a horrifying discovery. After talking her out of a suicide attempt, she uttered words that cut deep. It's your fault for pushing me to seek help. It's like hitting rock bottom again and again. Reliving these traumas and constantly researching for help drains me even more. You're making me feel worse about myself. Making me feel worse? Did she just say that? Fine, you little cockroach lover. You're making us both worse. Chloe, you're a hypocrite. You say meeting a therapist is making you worse, but we both know you've been treating me like your freaking therapist. 
You know what? You're right. I think you're my therapist, not my friend. And I think you've only ever smashed five cockroaches in my life. Eight, if you count the ones while you were asleep. (laughs) I laughed a little. I forgot moments like this with Chloe. She really did take care of me. And I, her. You know, Chloe... She lifted her hands. I know I'm crazy. No, you're not. You just need the right person to help you. And I wished it was me truly, but I can't solve this. I know. I realised that the moment you shouted. It's just not like you to do that. I guess my crazy spilled a little into you, huh? After a few more sessions with my therapist, talking to my mom, and re-evaluating my mental health, I realised one thing. We can only lend a hand to others when we're doing alright ourselves. It's kind of like the oxygen mask on a plane. Make sure your own mask is secure before helping someone else with theirs. Mental health is no different. Today... I jolted awake from a nightmare about her leaving this world. In a frantic rush, I checked her social media profile, a ritual I performed just to be sure. Each day, I breathe a sigh of relief. She's still here. And that's all that matters, even if I'm not the one by her side. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Post Love, brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or share your own stories, drop us an email. Our email is found in the description. This episode is produced by Guang Jin, script by RC, edited by Alex, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from OneUp Media, voiced by Gloria. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Post Love.